Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, but also my partner in life, Rachel Campos-Duffy. Hello, everyone, and we're back with more conversations from our kitchen table. And today we have another very special guest. Um, we know him. We've actually, you know, lived in Wisconsin, very close to his district, right next door to Sean's, Sean's district. Um, it's Derek Van Orden. He's a retired Navy SEAL chief who served five combat deployments across the globe. Um, and he actually is an actor, too, who starred in the 2012 movie Act of Valor, I didn't know that about you, Derek. Um, and now he's running yep, for Congress yep. in the third district of Wisconsin. I want to hear all about the race, Derek. But um, but first, is that true? That was in my script. Is that You're true? A movie star? I didn't know that. Yeah, I've actually done three feature films. The first one was in 2012. It was called Active Valor, and that was um, it was made by the Navy as a recruiting tool. Uh, we we're having a difficult time getting uh, SEALs in the service. And uh, so it worked very successfully, which is nice. And that that movie is a fantastic tribute to. And if you watch that movie, um, you'll see all these kind of weird things that take place. These these kind of snippets, these little scenarios, and all of those happen to a seal at one time or another after September 11th. So I encourage you guys to watch that and remember that that is a tribute to our fallen. And then uh, I got to do a movie with uh, John Voigt called Surviving the Wild. He's been a friend of mine now. What? Six or seven years. I thought yeah. we knew each other. What is it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that was a fun one. I played a, uh, a uh, redneck in Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my whole wardrobe was a, uh, a torn plaid shirt, which I believe I pulled out of uh, Sean's dumpster after he resigned from <laughs> Congress. It looked just Don't like it. <laughs> yeah. and, um, you, you did because I still have those ragtag flannel shirts in my bag. So yeah, totally. those are someone else's. But you, you look, you look like a guy who looks great in a ragtag flannel shirt. I, I do. I'm a regular dude. You know, Actually, you are a little bit out of central casting, to be honest. I mean, you look like a Navy SEAL. You look like you could be that great character actor. Yeah. Um, but you're. But what's interesting about you? You're the real deal. You're the real deal. And part of why we wanted to bring you on today, and mm -hmm. we want to talk about, you know, all the things you want to talk about. We want to talk about your race as well, sure. which I think is exciting because I, I believe you're going to win. But also your experience as a Navy SEAL in the context of what is going on in the military now. I just got back from West Point um, where we did our 4th of July special for Fox. And there's just, a, I mean, I, first of all, I was very impressed with, you know, these elite cadets. They're obviously the creme de la creme. 
But I am, I am very concerned about what's happening to our military. We're hearing reports about woke books being, you know, it, it, you know, given to as required reading, you know, a, about CRT and so forth. Talk to me about what you're seeing. Yeah, well, I mean, in short, you're absolutely correct. The Department of Defense is completely off mission. Um, they've lost their way and they're, they're trying to do the social experimentation as opposed to defending the country. And we saw that the apex of that taking place with the disastrous uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan where we abandoned thousands of American citizens to their fate to terrorists. But let me kind of back up because we're talking about race relations with the military. In uh, 1948, President Truman desegregated the military by an executive order um, immediately following World War II. So we fought uh, Korea and Vietnam as a desegregated military, and that's fantastic. We, we should have been from the beginning. We all know the uh, original sin of the, the United States of slavery and, and the, the compromise that was made in order to have the Constitution signed. In 1969, there was some uh, race riots on Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. 1972, there was on the USS Kitty Hawk, which is an aircraft carrier, there was a race riots on the aircraft carrier at sea. It was, it was really a, a travesty. Um, and then in 1975, the military stopped um, the draft. And after that, we've had an all-volunteer force. And with that, the relationships between service members uh, predicated on race has been getting better and better and better because we are looking at each other uh, as American citizens, and that's it. So when... Uh, General Milley, in his congressional testimony in 2021, it was brought to his attention that they're teaching critical race theory in the military. And he became very defensive and he actually defended the teaching of critical race theory. And in a nutshell, what that does, this critical race theory thing, is it teaches people that due to the color of their skin, they're either an oppressor or they are oppressed. And that is antithetical to the mm. basic understanding of what it means to be in the United States military, because the only thing that uh, you need to look at somebody at in their uniform is the American flag that they're wearing on their shoulder and the rank that they're wearing on their sleeve or their collar. And that, that is what makes us able to function as the United States military is that we look at each other as American citizens. We're all putting something above ourselves and uh, when you teach critical race theory, it's the exact opposite. It makes you look inward and you start thinking that, you know, everything is about you. It's not about the mission. And that's a travesty. So it seems like and, but Derek, it's also um, interesting in that you see the, the brotherhood of those who serve together and sure. it's the brotherhood of the mission and the service to country. It it doesn't seem to be divided by race. You, you're, you're, you're relying on each other for saving each other's lives or dragging each other out of, you know, um, an area where someone's been injured. I mean, it is, it is, um, truly this, this, this bond that happens that is far greater than anyone's color of skin and to inject that seems to be an injection of poison into the, the functionality of our military. It really is. So I never, it never occurred to me for a second what the, the race of the, the man or woman next to me in the United States military was. It, it, it was irrelevant because we're there working together. And this, this transcends uh, just the United States military. And we look at our coalition brothers and sisters. It just depends on what the mission is. That's all you're focused on. So with General Milley and the rest of these geniuses in the Pentagon, they're dragging us back to pre-1948 desegregation because what they're doing is they're pointing out these uh, immutable differences between us. So I can't change the color of my skin 
and Mm -hmm. nor can anybody else. And when you keep pointing that out, you're actually detracting from the fact or the understanding that you're, you're, you're past that. The United States. It seems like it would be dangerous though, Derek. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's dangerous because it makes our military weaker, but even in a combat situation, if you're not looking at rank and brotherhood and you're suspicious of somebody because they're a different race, how does that impact decision-making in the battlefield? Well, hopefully it won't. And the reason I say hopefully is that I think that these folks have gone so far beyond the pale, these senior military leaders, that folks are looking at this and saying enough is enough. And there are real practical ramifications of this type of woke teaching. The United States military has the lowest recruiting. It's failed to meet its goals for the longest period of time, uh, excuse me, since the Vietnam War. So we had the United States military, the army is only at 40% of its recruiting goals. And that's because people are looking at the leadership of the military and that extends all the way to the commander in chief. If anybody thinks that uh, President Joe Biden should have the release authority for nuclear weapons, you need to watch a couple of his speeches, including uh, his cue cards where he's been told to sit down. So people are seeing this and they're understanding that the leadership of the United States military is broken. And here's here's what's interesting to me. So General Milley probably has, I don't know, three or four master's degree. All these guys are just super duper smart. You know, they're very highly educated people. But when General Milley is saying we need to teach critical race theory, it's absolutely a foolish statement. You should certainly teach about critical race theory and pointing out the fact that it's a horrible thing, just as you should teach about communism and that that is the it's incompatible with the American system of government. But you don't teach communism. You don't teach critical race theory. You teach about it. So even the way that these folks are approaching these problem sets, I think, is broken. And is is there some nefarious intent? Um, it's really hard to say that there isn't at this point because they have gotten so far off mission. And let me give you another real practical example of why this is so incredibly dangerous to our national security. There's a saying that every Marine is a rifleman. That means if you're a cook or a general officer in the Marine Corps, you have to be able to pick up your primary weapon system and fire it accurately to remove an enemy from the battle space. It's a fantastic saying. Every Marine is a rifleman. Well, in the Navy, every sailor is a firefighter because if your ship catches on fire, there's nowhere to go. So every sailor is a firefighter. Well, the Bonhomme Richard, which is a, uh, an amphibious uh, vessel. There's one of 11, I think, in our fleet formerly. Caught on fire in San Diego Harbor. It was a cardboard fire in a storage area. That's a class alpha fire. The easiest thing to put out. You just put water on it, right? They were incapable of putting out the fire on the Bonhomme Richard, and it burnt to the keel. It was a total loss. It was a naval vessel in harbor burnt to the keel because the sailors couldn't figure out how to fight the fire. And it was in combination, reading the after action report, with the chain of command, which is the, the uh, commanding officer and above these folks, they couldn't figure out who should be in charge of fighting this fire. So the sailors didn't know how to fight the fire. And the chain of command couldn't figure out how to make sure the right people were there to fight the fire. So on, from the deck plate all the way up to the stateroom, the United States Navy in that instance is completely broken. And that removed a strategic platform from the United States military's inventory. Now, that type of vessel you put on landing craft in United States Marines, and it can act as a, a kind of a mini aircraft carrier. So you're saying that is, is what you're saying by telling the story, Derek, that mm-hmm. our military is off mission and that we are 
in real time right now witnessing a decline in standards and preparedness for war. That's correct. And this is why, Rachel, that the sailors didn't know how to fight the fire. The commanding officers and the chain of command, the officers didn't know how to, to delegate the authority to do this sort of stuff. But I guarantee you, every single one of those sailors that didn't know how to fight that fire had all of their, it's called personal qualification standards, PQS, and there's GMTs, general military training. I guarantee you every single one of those sailors had all of their woke GMTs and PQS signed mm. And you know why? Because you can't get promoted or transferred unless you do. So they could tell you that there's 400 different genders and all these other things, but they couldn't figure out how to fight. But I can't put a fire out on a, on a ship. So, and that, and that kind of leads to my question, uh, my next question, Derek. Uh, you know, so obviously the military is off course. Yeah, they're off mission, as you uh, you warfighters would say. Is it is it impossible? Is it hard if if with new leadership to get the military back on track to get to get this cancer cut out of the military and back to a mission based military? And, and and kind of to the point of the firefighting, I believe I, I read I, was, I read a story. God, was it eight months ago where the Chinese were talking about how they were afraid of the U.S. military, not because of the might of the U.S. military. They were saying that, uh, and I should say, not the military, the Navy. They were concerned that that as U.S. ships came into ports where they were at, that they were afraid of being hit, that we haven't we haven't you know, we used to be the best sailing force in the world. And the quality of our of our sailors has gone down. And maybe because, again, they're talking about CRT and transgenderism as opposed to going, listen, the first priority is know how to sail, know how to put out a fire on a ship after we get all that stuff down. Maybe we'll have a conversation about these other issues that we think are important, but that's not the that's not the primary mission of the military is CRT. It should be, you know, you have to know to sail and you have to know to put up fires. Right. And you know, the, the Chinese military is correct. There's a long series of collisions at sea uh, with United States naval vessels. And they were running into each other and other or their uh, vessels at sea because they didn't know how to navigate um, a, a uh, vessel. They didn't understand the rules of the road. They're actually called the rules of the road. Um, for when you're you're underway, um, so that's that's true, and it's embarrassing when uh, I believe our number one geopolitical foe is tongue in cheek making fun of us, but it's based in reality. So there's only so many hours in a day that you can train somebody effectively. You can try to jam all this in, it just doesn't work out. And prioritizing the defense of the United States protecting our citizens and our allies has to be job number one. And unfortunately, as we've said, the military is so far off mission with this right now. Um, if you think about it in context, we have not won a war since World War II. And why is that? It's because we've politicized the military. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. 
And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. So Derek, I, 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 we'll, we, we don't have you for, for much more time. Talk to me about your race, your district, and this is, okay. this is the western side of Wisconsin along the river. Um, it's, it's Eau Claire, it's La Crosse, um, a, a great area of our state, beautiful. Talk to me about your race, but then also talk to me about if you are a member of Congress and a former SEAL, mm-hmm. what you can do as a member of Congress to hopefully rein in, you know, what the military is doing and doing wrong. Okay. Western Wisconsin, we've got uh, 19 holding partial counties, uh, just over 13,000 square miles. And my wife, Sarah Jane and I have put, uh, over 81,000 miles on the truck driving around the district speaking to people. Um, it's incredibly important to get out and uh, speak to folks. It was held by Ron Kind for it'll come up to 26 years. He announced his retirement, which uh, quite frankly is the smartest move that guy's made in over two decades because I was going to beat him. And he, he did the math and he got that, um, that it's time for him to sail off into the sunset, which is, it, it's just time. Um, we got named the number one pickup opportunity for all Republican challengers in the country, which, uh, is, a, a pretty big honor. There's, uh, several different races. I mean, there's 130, I think up and about 30 of them are very competitive, but ours again has uh, been named number one with that came a $2 million ad buy from Nancy Pelosi's leadership pack. So she doesn't want mm. to give up this seat, but uh, to you that she was, Nancy was showing you a lot of love. I think so. It's really interesting because there's four Democrats in a primary and they don't even know who their candidate is yet. And I don't have a primary. I'm going straight to the general. So it's going to be a fight out here in Western Wisconsin, but uh, we're up for it completely because the the Democrat Party is so far uh, removed from what people care about here in Western Wisconsin. I think in the nation in general, we're talking about gas, groceries and grandkids. People can't afford to fill up a gas tank and a grocery cart on the same day. And we're worried about the future of our children and the Democrat parties discussing things like critical race theory, um, which just doesn't make any sense. So um, I could use everybody's help to get into office. I'd appreciate it greatly. Um, and we are just cracking, cracking forward uh, from here. Um, and when I get into Congress, you know, knock on wood, uh, Kevin McCarthy came out to the district three weeks ago. He's going to be the next Speaker of the House. And I made one ask of him. And he said it in public, so I'll share it here. The only thing I asked of Kevin McCarthy was to be put on the agriculture committee because this is an agricultural district. We have Ashley Furniture and Quick Trip here, and the rest are medium to small uh, size manufacturing uh, businesses, a lot of service industry, and then also it's just ag. And I think it's very important for us to have a congressman on the agriculture committee from the state of Wisconsin. So that was my one ask. Now, the other things that you're referring to, the House Armed Services Committee, Intel Committee, Foreign Affairs, I have a, a real holistic understanding of those things. I've worked out of two different United States embassies as a Navy SEAL. I've worked on five of the seven continents. I've lived on them. So I think those things will make themselves readily apparent. Um, and I w- would assume that someone's going to ask me to serve on one of those committees also. But my primary focus and the only thing I've asked of the incoming House leadership is to be on the Agriculture Committee because I want to make sure that I'm repping the people hard in this district. I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. I, I, I First of all, I, I have no doubt that you're going to win. I am absolutely certain you're going to win. Now, I say that that doesn't mean I, I want people listening not to send you uh, fundraising because that is the the oil that gets this machine going. But so I hope people support you. But uh, this is a this is a winnable seat for Republicans in this cycle. And I hope you win. And I do hope you get on ag. I do think that's important. But boy, after this conversation, um, 
Derek, I really, really hope that they put you on one of these other committees that can help address this problem with the military. I grew up on an, on a military base. Um, I think you know that I'm a military yep. brat. Yes, and it's really odd how backwards we've gone. I mean, when I was in the military, one of the shocking things for me getting off a military base was that there was any race consciousness at all. Because where I was growing up, nobody talked about race because everyone was mixed. The white soldier was married to a Vietnamese and the Vietnamese was married to an African-American and Hispanics were married to Asians. And it was such a, it was so ahead of its time in terms of race relations. And it's absolutely a travesty. Um, It's almost, it's a sin what they're doing um, by injecting CRT and lies about America into the curriculum for, you know, our, our soldiers, but especially at these elite universities where, you know, these are going to be the future leaders. And I guess my question to you, Derek, is as they're injecting all of this curriculum that is, you know, race conscious and frankly, racist, are the, are the kids that are going through this for the most part going along to get along? They're doing it because they, they, they want to, they've already made it this far to the military Academy and they got to get through it. Or do you think this is seeping in and that, you know, this is going to be part of the future of the military? Well, it is. And these, as you said, these young adults, they've worked, you know, since they were 12 years old to get accepted to a military Academy, it is a very prestigious honor even to be able to go to uh, one of these service academies. And if you look at what they're teaching these, these young people, they're going to have to go along to get along in order to graduate from these academies. And it's terrible. The, the problem with that is that it's very insidious. So once you start injecting this curriculum, then you start grading the people on the curriculum. And then if you're grading on this curriculum, it becomes a standard. And then if in order to meet the standard to get promoted, you have to to uh, parrot these things out, it starts working on you. So this stuff just has to stop. As you said, the military is colorblind and it's gotta be colorblind. Back from when Truman desegregated us in 1948, we started working diligently to make sure that the only thing you see again is that American flag on your shoulder. And for the ruling elite in the military, the senior military officers to try to start re-injecting these things, it's a digressive movement and again, by teaching, taking time out of the sailors, marine, airmen's days to teach them these critical race theory and all this other junk, we're removing the ability for our United States military to perform its primary function, which is the defense of American citizens and our allies. And it's shameful. And when we get into Congress, I mean, you can't just cherry pick out officers and say, stop doing this or stop doing that. We really need to have strong executive leadership that will remove these officers. I think uh, General Milley should be forced to resign right now. Um, there's a, a long series of these senior officers that are trying to um, they're trying to parrot what they think the current administration wants to hear in order for them to get promoted. So they're putting their own self-promotion above the mission, and that's unforgivable. And let me give you one more example. If you think about this holistically, how does this affect the, the um, service member? And this may sound kind of odd coming from me, but when... The response to COVID started taking place in the United States military before they deployed these sailors and Marines overseas. What they did with the ship's company, those are people that get attached to a ship, and then the folks that are there stationed on the boat, before they deployed them, 
out to the Pacific, they stuck every sailor and Marine in an individual hotel room in San Diego for a three week period of time to uh, pre quarantine them before they got on a naval vessel to go do our country's bidding. And you think, oh, that seems practical. Well, it doesn't. And this is why. What this has done is when you're focusing people inward, this is your skin color. This is what you should think. You're an oppressor. You're oppressed because of who you are, these immutable characteristics. You're putting yourself above the mission. When you lock these young people into these hotel rooms to protect them from COVID, what you're teaching them is that their physical safety is more important than the mission that they're going to go on. Wow. Quite frankly, of all the other things in the military, to me, that is unforgivable because you have to, as a member of the service, be willing to stand up and give your life for your brothers and sisters in arms next to you and for the mission and for the country. We've had over a million American men and women die in uniform protecting our nation, and the nation is more important than the individual. And for the United States military senior leadership to make individual service men and women think that their personal safety is more important than the mission and the country, like I said, that's unforgivable. So we've got a lot of room. Um, we, we need to make sure that we get back this ground from these folks, get these folks that are a cancer. Sean, you said that that's a perfect word. The cancer that is the people that are teaching these uh, critical race theory, that socialism is okay, that communism is is compatible with the American way of life. It simply isn't. They got to get them out of uniform and we got to get ourselves back on track and get the military back on mission. And I tell you what, they gave my family a wonderful, a wonderful upbringing. I spent a lot of time away, but 16 of my 21 years as a SEAL, I spent away from home. So, but the opportunities that it gave me being raised in abject rural poverty in a broken home to talking to you guys on this podcast and next year, being in Congress, that's because of the opportunities presented to me by the United States military. And that was presented to me just because of merit. It had nothing yes. to do with my skin color, it had nothing to do with my background, it had nothing to do with my socioeconomics, any of that stuff. It was, I showed up for work every day and I worked my tail off every single day. And in the military, no one cares what color your skin is. Nobody cares what your background is. No one cares what your socioeconomic standing was because you're all equal under that flag on your shoulder. And it's got to get back to that. Well, my family is also an American dream military yeah. story. My dad was a shoeshine boy um, from a family that couldn't even afford to buy him underwear. Right. And, um, and, and, and I look at, you know, I'm living a life that surpasses any uh, of his dreams. Um, and he, li he's living a life as a retired military man um, that surpasses his wildest childhood dreams. I want to go back to one thing. I know you have to go, but I, I can't no, leave you without this because you touched on something so important. That story you told about COVID really yeah. struck me on two levels. One, absolutely what you said, but also weird because the military has young, healthy people who are not even going to probably die statistically from any of this um, by a long shot. So that struck me. Um, what is the message being sent there? And two, you met my son-in-law, Derek. My son-in-law is, I know he's my son-in-law and I'm, I'm a little bit biased, but he's damn good looking and one of the fittest, buffest, young, healthiest men I know on the planet. And I introduced him to you because he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. And he ended up not going into the SEALs, mostly because they required a vaccination. He had already had COVID right. and he didn't want to take the vaccine because he was concerned about his health, taking a vaccine after he had already had it and, and, and a vaccine that for which there was no long-term studies. 
Now, my question to you is a lot of military have been kicked out because they didn't want to take the vaccine. And now you have a self-selecting, you know, you have people who aren't entering who would otherwise have entered, who would have been great people. I've had people suggest to me that this is sort of a purge, a self-selected purge of conservatives, of people who don't go along with those kinds of mandates, that there's a type of person that wouldn't. And those are the type of person that the military doesn't want. Tell me your thoughts on that. Am I crazy? Are these people crazy that are telling me this? No, I don't think they're crazy at all. And you you really want to look at an an issue, a health issue with the United States military. By orders of magnitude, we've had more servicemen and women commit suicide than we have active duty than die of COVID. So you're right. The patient population of the United States military is exactly the the patient population that has the least uh, morbidity from, or excuse me, mortality from, from COVID. So forcing this vaccination on people, I think is inappropriate. And uh, people say, look, you know, I'm an anti-vaxxer. That is junk. I was a corpsman before I was a SEAL. I've given hundreds, if not thousands of vaccinations. I have more shots than I even, I I don't even know how many vaccinations I've gotten. I'm Mm -hmm. not an anti-vaxxer. I got vaccinated against rabies. Didn't have to, but I didn't want to get rabies. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer in any way, shape or form, but all of these vaccinations, including the anthrax one, that was a big deal. Uh, that had been used for over 30 years in England with uh, goat and sheep farmers because uh, anthrax is endemic in those populations of Cape Barnes. But uh, so I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but when you have something that is not tested, there are no long-term studies for this. And how is it going to affect you? We don't know this. So when people say, you know, enough, I don't want to do this. Um, and they're not given an out. Uh, one of the things that I don't know if you're referring to it later, but there's um a lawsuit that was filed by some uh, Navy SEALs and other Naval Special Warfare uh, operators uh, for a religious exemption against this, uh, getting this vaccination, and all of them were shut down. Uh, so the military has to give you a way to not participate in these things if you have a uh, firmly held religious belief, and they just didn't do that. So the folks that are joining now um, are willingly submitting to this, and if they want to do that, that's their choice, Rachel. But the, right. the group that you're talking about is saying, I'm not even going to get involved with that. Uh, right. So there are there are folks that are not joining the military because uh, they don't want to get this vaccination. But on that note, when uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, uh, that was where if you were a practicing homosexual, you just didn't bring it up at work and it was fine, which I think really in retrospect is a fantastic policy because you don't want to sit around talking about people's sexual Agreed. Is that work it anyway? It doesn't matter if you're heterosexual or homosexual. Agreed. It's an inappropriate topic for the workspace, right? So what they did though, after they repealed that, is they went back and they scrubbed the records and they found people that were discharged for being homosexuals and they offered them the ability to get them to do. Well, I think we need to do the same thing with this COVID thing. If people are getting discharged, and I talk to a bunch of folks, they get a hold of me all the time. I tell them this: if you're in the military and you don't want to get the COVID vaccination, make them discharge you. Don't quit. Um, make them discharge you from the service, stay in shape, don't go off the deep end, and make sure that you're still eligible to rejoin the military. And that is something that I would like to do in the event of me getting elected to Congress is to make sure that that avenue is open to get these men and women back into the military who were uh, involuntarily separated because they didn't want to get this COVID vaccination. Oh, we got to have you on Fox and Friends to talk about that, Derek. That is such a great issue for you to to run on and offer. I I never even knew that that was a possibility. Um, And I didn't even know about the don't ask, don't tell, that people were retroactively being 
brought back in. Amazing, amazing. You know, George, I, I, as, as, I, as I listened to you, and, and again, I served nine years in Congress, and I, it's great to have a Congress that represents all different walks of life, people from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses. You want a montage of America in your Congress. That's really okay. important. Um, but it's also important to know that if, if you, if you want to ask the right questions, hold the right government agencies accountable or the military accountable. A guy like me coming in, I, I'll ask all the wrong questions. I didn't serve in the military. I don't know the questions to ask and the follow-up questions. I don't know when I'm being bullshit by right. uh, a, a, general. <laughs> a, a general in a, in a hearing. Right. Having guys like you there, again, I don't want everyone to be a Navy SEAL in, in, in the Congress, but I want Navy SEALs. I want guys like you there to ask the right questions, to push the right buttons, to get the right exposure of information. And that's why it's so important. Um, I think your race is, and, 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 it's, and it's so critical to our national defense. It's so critical at a time when you know, we don't necessarily live in a peaceful world. It's, it's, it's pretty hostile, actually. And making sure the military is up to the challenge of the day is incredibly important. And guys that can ask those questions um, make the Congress function really well and do its job of oversight. And so, uh, I, again, I supported you in your last run for Congress. That was so close. It was so close, Derek. You could have already been, you know, in your second year in Congress. But I, I feel good about this one. But it doesn't happen unless people come out and support um, and participate in elections. Um, you, you won't get the results that you think might be coming unless you're an active participant, you know, in the, in the races of the candidates that you yeah. support. And if I can just make one last point, you mentioned earlier that you have a lot of great companies in your district. And I agree with that. And a lot of small businesses, a lot of farms. But you yeah. mentioned one, which is my, I think my favorite Wisconsin company. I, I knew I you were going to go there. I, know. I, came back, <laughs> I came back from New Jersey. Um, and again, I, I, with heavy heart, I moved there for Rachel because I'm Wisconsin through and through. It's like I, I bleed, I bleed badger. I got, I got to my first quick trip and I pulled over and I got myself a Karuba house blend coffee. Yeah. I took a picture. I'm like home, sweet home, baby. I love, they do such a great job. And if you don't, you're not from, from Wisconsin, Minnesota, parts of Illinois, Iowa, quick trip is a, is a, is a Wisconsin based company in Derek's yeah. district. And in yeah. the cross, that's right. And they, 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 the price, you'll get the cheapest milk, the cheapest bananas. Explain what it is, Sean. You're assuming yeah. so this, everybody's this is, from so, Wisconsin. Okay, this is a gas, so this is a gas station, but it's also a convenience store with a gas station, right? <laughs> yeah. And they, uh, it is, it is a staple of Wisconsin. Um, and the excitement of a new quick trip coming to town is like off the hook because they do things so well. They treat their customers so well with prices. Right. They give 40% of their profits back to their employees. I'm not doing an ad for Quick Trip. I don't have anything to do I know with Quick you. Trip. I'm, I just, I'm wondering why we don't work for, why they don't I just hire you. love. <laughs> you know what? I've almost run out of gas, Derek, on the road yeah. like you are all the time. Yeah. Out of gas going like, I can't go to this exit because there's not a Quick Trip here. We got to go another six miles to the next exit where there's a Quick Trip <laughs> going on fumes because they're just that darn good. So you said yeah. Quick Trip hey, listen, and asked you for an interest I, too, but I, I'm telling you what, man. The, so the East Coasters, they have that Wawa yeah, not, not yeah. Wall, I'm like, no, well, forget not about it. Totally been, agree. Not, agree with you. Totally close. First of all, they're in the East Coast, so they're generally a little more brusque with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm telling you, man, uh, I don't work for Quick Trip, but uh, you know, if this Congress thing doesn't work out, maybe I will because Didn't I love you? that place. I post, I got retweeted by Quick Trip once about cheesy broccoli soup, and I'm telling you, I, I don't know. <laughs> 
my yeah. it's unhealthy or not that I have this relationship with cheesy broccoli soup, but I, I mean, it'll be 95 degrees outside. I'll get some hot soup because I love it so much. But, it's kind of uh, like the Packers. It's like, it, it's, it's bipartisan. It's yeah. just, we love, we love the Packers and we love quick trip in Wisconsin yeah. and our brats and beer too. But I mean, quick oh. trip is a staple Wisconsin, you know, you forgot to mention curds, which is you forgot to mention oh. curds. Cause that's the best part about on a it hot is. summer day by the lake to have, uh, uh, some cheese curds. Sean, you'll have a beer. I'll have a margarita. That's Wisconsin to me. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. By the way, uh, Derek, one of the things Sean always said when he was running is he would say to people who didn't live in his district, he'd say, you can't vote for me, but every day I can vote for you um, when I'm in Congress. So you don't have to be in Derek's district in Wisconsin to hear somebody who is so um, on it, um, who so has cool. such you. a breadth of knowledge on so many topics and it can bring, particularly for me, I'm concerned about China. If you're worried about China, you're worried about this military and you need someone like Derek in Congress who can bring back our military, make it great again, get rid of these wokesters and put our military back on mission. You don't have to be from Derek's district in Wisconsin to, to support someone who wants to make America's military great. I think that was a great line. You can use that, Derek. It's a, it's a great because like, like, we get a lot of vacationers, right? They're like, they're coming, I'm from Illinois. I'm from Minnesota. Right. Like, that's okay. You can't vote for me, but every day I'm in Congress, I can vote for you. And it's true. You get to represent the values that are values of America, values of a strong military, values of free enterprise um, that you get to go and vote on. And it, it's, again, you represent your district, which I love you want to be on ag because yeah. you have a huge ag district. Um, but what you vote for is all of, it's, it's an issue, issues that affect all of America. And so that's why, again, I don't, I can't vote for you because, you know, my district was right to the north of yours, yeah. but I have been an avid supporter of yours because I think you're a great guy and a true oh. patriot who has served his country and will serve it again very well in Congress. I appreciate that greatly. I really do. And what, what you guys are talking about is I've seen this awakening with the Republican Party over the last couple of years and that we're understanding that this is a team sport um, and mm -hmm. it really came to light. I, so I, I did run into 2020. Someone sent me a picture of a postcard that they received in the mail. And it said something along the lines of, you know, Ron Kind is going to help you. He supports everybody, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know where it was postmarked from? San Francisco. So the Democrat Party now for a long time, they understand that a race in Wisconsin affects the national picture. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're figuring that out as Republicans. I tell you what, I lost that election. I immediately started um, working for doing fundraising, recruiting, and motivating, and knocking doors for local candidates. 
school board candidates, uh, county board supervisors. I started getting out there and working hard for them because that's what the Democrat Party did about 60 years ago. They started taking over the culture. That's what we're talking about here with this critical race theory. It's bled its way into yep. the military and our communities. So if you're, you don't want a, a high tax bill on your house, it's not the IRS. It's your county board that's setting those property taxes. Mm-hmm. You don't want your kids taught critical race theory in school. It's not the Department of Education. It's your school board. So we have seen, I have seen personally, because I've you know been involved in politics now for three whole years, I guess, two and a half years. I've seen a sea change. And Republicans now understand that if we don't do this collectively, that means you're supporting a candidate in Arizona. You're supporting a candidate in Florida or in New Jersey. We don't do this collectively. It's not going to work out. We must use the tactics, techniques, and procedures of our political adversaries, which is the Democrat Party in this instance, if they're successful. And that's what we're doing. And it's it's working. So I want everybody to be engaged across the nation. Take a few minutes every day and read the news. Find a candidate that you share uh, ideological similarities with and support them. Send them a note. Go on their website. Uh, give them a call. Write a postcard for them. Make phone calls for them. Contribute money to their campaigns. Because if Americans collectively, all men and women of good cheer, don't stand up right now in 2022, we're going to have a problem. It is absolutely 100% go time in America. And it's going to take work. But you know what? America is worth the work. It's worth the work. You're working hard. I'd like, you know, I want to give you all the credit for all the, and your supporters, all the credit for how far your campaign has gone. I'm sorry, but Joe Biden has helped you a lot in that he's really screwed this country up more than any of us thought in the last year. And that has also woken people up. You've worked hard, but boy, Joe, you have to try hard to screw this country up the way Joe Biden has, Derek. Yeah. Hey, listen, I am so incredibly proud of my team. I am. I have the best team. I don't know how to say it any other way than I'm just incredibly uh, full of gratitude that they've even chosen to work with me. Um, And we've been very successful at it. I asked people, I started about six months ago, and apparently now people are catching up on this. But I was asking folks, if you were trying to torpedo America, if you were trying to make it more difficult to live in prosperity as an American citizen, if you were trying to make it Uh, less safe for you to roam the streets of the United States of America, to not have your kids fall prey to fentanyl overdoses. If you uh, wanted to weaken the United States military, what would you do differently than the (laughs) Biden administration has done? And people chuckle, Rachel, but then you're like, oh, wait a minute. You know what? So at some point you're like, all right. I mean, it's statistically impossible to do all of these things wrong. I mean, if your insurance if you're an insurance actuarian, you would never write that policy. So right. these folks, I think, have a fundamental, fundamentally different vision for what they want the United States of America to be. And I categorically refute that vision that they have. They want big government to be in your business all the time. They want to us to be holding to some international system of governance. I don't want that. I want the United States of America to be what it is. And that's the best country that has ever existed on the history, in the history of the world. And for people to not teach American exceptionalism is nearly criminal. I mean, I know this. I didn't read this in a book. I've seen it in a movie. I've lived and worked on five of the seven continents. And I know absolutely unequivocally that the only reason my story can be told Every day in America is because of this nation. Abject rural poverty, broken home in a single generation will be in the highest 
powers, uh, the highest levels of government in the most powerful country in the world. That only happens in America, Rachel. That's why they call it the American dream. They don't call it like the English dream, the Venezuelan yeah. dream. It's the American dream for a reason. I really believe this. Look at Winsome Sears. She came here from oh, she's amazing. the Marine Corps. She's, she's the bomb. She's amazing. She's amazing. And you're right. There are no dreamers <laughs> in Mexico City clamoring to come in. And there's no dreamers in Vietnam. There's no dreamers trying to get into China. The dreamers... Um, the the, the people pouring over the border, risking their lives, doing all that—it's to come here. Yeah, it's great. There's, we got to teach that to our kids. So we, we, we do, and it's so important. And there's so many uh, fights that we're engaged in right now to to make sure that the country uh, that we inherited is the one that we pass off to the next generation. That it's not yeah. fundamentally changed, and it's work again uh, from your president to your senator to your congressman, but as you mentioned, your governors, your legislatures and your school board members, all really important um, to make sure that we have good people um, who have a great view of America and our future in place to make sure they're voting on, voting on policies that actually work for their constituents and for the country. Derek Van Orden, thank you for joining us. Great, uh, great chat. Good luck with your race. Thank Keep you. burning that shoe leather. I hope you, uh, after the 4th of July parades, have a callus on your hands from shaking so many hands. I used to get those. Um, and let's put another 60,000 miles in that truck before uh, election day. Another can, 80, can I just say one thing? I can't, yes, ma'am. I can't wait to see Derek debate AOC in Congress. Wouldn't that be amazing? I, 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 where would you begin? but i know i would pay money to see it. So if you want to support Derek, get, get onto his website, give us your website, Derek. It's van Orden for congress.com. We're also on uh, Twitter at Derek Van Orden, on Facebook at Derek Van Orden, on uh, Truth Social at DVO. Um, and I'd really appreciate your support. Again, this is a team sport. We're either doing this all together collectively as conservatives who love this country or it's not going to work out. So please uh, do me a favor, get on Van Orden for Congress.com and uh, lend a hand. Get on board. Get on the team, as they say. Get on the, you can vote for the, 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 the next, since Ronald Reagan, the next actor to lead the Republican Party, oh uh, Derek Van or- Orden. So uh, thanks, Derek. Derek. You're a champ. So um, we're, we're rooting for you. You guys are awesome. And congratulations again on the wedding. That's fantastic. God thanks bless so you. much. Appreciate right. it. Get back out there. Start campaigning. Shake hands. Very well. I'm out. Derek, we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye, Derek. Hey, Sean, maybe, maybe Derek will clean up the military and Michael will go back into the Navy SEALs as he always wanted. We would we would love that. So it would again. He's a fantastic. He's a fantastic man. Wow, what a guy! His country well, and um, again, will uh, be uh, just a fantastic, you know, congressman. So uh, we appreciate him joining us, and again, laying a, a little reality down in regard to what's been happening in the military because it's actually shameful, and we need to change course quickly if we're going yeah, to. Yeah, we're going to um, need guys like that to do that, that, Sean. We're going right. to need people with that kind of institutional knowledge to uh to turn back our military and just to vote the right way on all kinds of stuff so um what a what a treat to have them um sean i feel really encouraged that there are people like this running in this next cycle and i feel like this cycle is probably going to be the best cycle maybe even better than your cycle in 2010 it 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 could be that that was that was a great cycle but um you know here you have people who are you know we have this you know, d- diverse backgrounds of people who are running and uh, they're just, they're dynamic and they're working really hard, which is what matters. Um, as hard as they work in their campaigns is the kind of work you'll get for them, you know, as a member of Congress and, and Derek exudes that as he's gone through 
you know, his, this is the second time he's now running. He, you know, came within, I think a point and a half in the last election. He's at it again. So um, again, has yeah, I love that perseverance and, and again, wants to continue to serve and, and would serve well. So uh, it is great to have him and have his perspective. And uh, listen, we appreciate everyone joining us again around our kitchen table to have a guy like that, you know, sip a cup of coffee with us and have a chat. You know, we're grateful he took the time off the campaign trail to do that with us. That's right. So if you um, like this conversation, you can rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, wherever you do that at. And um, we hope to see you around the kitchen table next week. Bye, everybody. Bye bye. Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.